as all that is here to this great city of Baltimore. Ladies and gentlemen, from Baltimore, Maryland. Wrestling fans, and welcome to another episode of the Rama podcast, where today uh, we're again doing one of our life and crimes episodes, where we talk about the crimes, the criminal activities, some of the mischief that professional wrestlers get into, and uh, today we're going to be dealing with two wrestlers who were arrested back in 1984. But before we get into the details, I want to remind everybody to check out our website, www.rasselrama.com. All of our socials, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can find us at Rama. Wherever you're listening to us at right now, give us a subscribe, hit the like button. Thanks for all of your support so far. These uh, life and crime episodes have been pretty popular so far you can check out previous episodes uh just recently we did uh, an episode on the sid vicious and arn anderson uh stabbing scissors incident that happened over in england back in 1993 you can listen to it on youtube Uh, you can listen to it on our website you can listen to it on spotify Many different ways you can listen to that episode, and you can find all those ways once again on our website, rasselrama.com. That's R-A-S-S-L-E-R-A-M-A, rasselrama.com. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about two wrestlers that were arrested back in the spring of 1984 following an incident at a McDonald's. And no, we're not talking about Jim Cornette. He was at Wendy's. <laughs> this is two wrestlers that were at a McDonald's. Uh, and as I stated in previous episodes, we're going to focus on events that have not been covered by Vice's Dark Side of the Ring. We don't want to be redundant. We don't want to talk to you about stuff you've already heard. Uh, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about Mr. Saito and Ken Batera who were arrested back on April the 6th, 1984, following an incident at a nearby McDonald's. Uh, We have a lot of newspaper clippings. We have some quotes from people that were involved in the situation, uh, quotes from the officers, and actually one of the quotes from the officers, it wouldn't fly today. The thing that he said would not fly in today's day and age. Just shows you how things were different uh, almost 40 years ago when this happened. Uh, I remember hearing about it. They were both in the AWA at the time. Uh, Mr. Saito, up until maybe a year, 
A year and a half prior to this was in WWF, him and Mr. Fuji. They were tag team champions, wrestling the Strongbow Brothers, throwing the salt, cheating. Um, and, of course, Ken Batera spent much time in the WWF. And then after this, he returned to the WWF, and they turned his arrest into an angle. Uh, they hyped his comeback as, you know, he was in jail, he was getting out of jail, and they did a big deal with him and Bobby Heenan where Heenan called him a criminal, a convict, and they actually used that to uh, turn Ken Batero babyface. Um, so let's get into it. April of 1984, Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito, and... Uh, if you're listening to this on our website or Spotify, I encourage you to also check it out on our YouTube channel. I'm going to throw up a bunch of newspaper clippings that I found. So as you're listening to it, I'll, I'll put up different newspaper clippings so that you can see uh, some of the things that were written about the episode back in 1984. All right, let's uh, start with this. The Jarrettsville Gazette. This is from the Associated Press. Let me pull this up. Uh, Wakasha, two professional wrestlers were released on bail Friday after being accused of battling police in a melee that left two officers hospitalized. The Wakasha County Sheriff's Department said Masahori Saito and Kimbatera, both 40, so, wow, they were both 40 at the time. I would have never thought that. Uh, both 40 and from Minneapolis were released after a bail of $7,500 each was posted following a court appearance. The case was continued until Monday. The arrest followed a complaint about a man throwing a rock the size of a bowling ball through a window over being refused service at a McDonald's restaurant closed for the night. Officers responded to the call and then inquired at a nearby motel where they found the wrestlers. Sergeant David C. Bunker of the Sheriff's Department reported that when he arrived at the scene, he found a fight underway in the hallway, one officer lying on the floor motionless, Saito and Patera wrestling with two other officers. Imagine that. Uh, Patera was a beast. Saito was a legit badass, so I'm sure these officers, they didn't know what they were in for that night. Uh, Bunker said an officer hit the back of Saito's leg with a nightstick, and when Saito turned around, another did the same. This took place once more, and although it appeared that it caught Saito's attention, it did not in any way seem to restrain him. Saito and others are scheduled to wrestle inside the ring April 15th at Craig High School in Janesville. So an interesting way to end an article about an arrest is to plug uh, the wrestler's upcoming appearance. All right, let's get to, we've got another clipping up here. here and this guy's name, the, the staff writer for this article, his name is Tom Hamburger. How funny is that? Writing about a, a an episode, an incident that happened at a McDonald's. This is written by Tom Hamburger. It wasn't your standard tag team fair, but the main event early Friday morning at the Holiday Inn in Waukesha, Wisconsin, is one that professional wrestling fans will remember. On one side of the hallway, 15 Waukesha area police officers. 
On the other, strongman Ken Batera of Bloomington, Minnesota, and his partner on the professional wrestling circuit, Masahori Saito of Adena. When the 20-minute bout ended, four police officers were on the way to the hospital, and the wrestlers were on the way to jail. In the struggle to sub subdue the former Olympic athletes, police encountered headbutts, headlocks, and fists. Both wrestlers are expected to be charged Monday with at least two counts of assaulting an officer, police said. In the meantime, each is free on $7,500 bond. Wakasha County Police said the fighting took place after they went to the wrestler's room at the Holiday Inn shortly after midnight to question Patera about the hurling of a boulder through a window at a McDonald's restaurant. Police Lieutenant Gordon Geese said the officers were attacked without warning as they stood at the door to the motel room. The wrestlers could not be reached for comment, but their attorney... Alvia Ugin of Milwaukee disagree with the police account. My investigation reveals that the police forced their way into the room, he said. They immediately maced Patera and Saito and a fight broke out. The police came in there with no warrant, no justification for walking into that room. You go breaking into people's room and trouble is going to break out, especially if you break into a professional wrestler's room. Police were first called by a McDonald's employee who said that a guest from the Holiday Inn had hurled a two-foot-long boulder through the window. A two-foot-long boulder. That was Kim Batera that threw that. Uh, let's go to this article. Uh, I don't see where I got this article from. I'll try to read some of it to you. Fifteen battered, bruised, and bloody cops learn... Never pick a fight with a pair of pro wrestlers. When two 300-pound professional wrestlers, and that's a little, uh, a little exaggerated, 250, 260, maybe 270, definitely not 300 pounds. When two 300-pound professional wrestlers were refused service at a McDonald's restaurant, they launched a Big Mac attack against 15 cops and sent four of them to the hospital. We conked them with our billy clubs and sprayed them with chemical mace. But it didn't phase them, said startled police lieutenant Gordon Geese. It just made them meaner, and they kept on coming at us like a couple of berserk bulldozers. I guess they c figured they couldn't fight bullets, said Geese. Both wrestlers were charged with battery, resisting arrest, disorderly conduct, obstructing an official, aggravated battery, and criminal damage to property. They were released from custody after posting $7,500 bail. The beefy bruisers were less than pleased when they arrived hungry at a McDonald's restaurant in Wakasha, Wisconsin, and found it had just closed, police said. Workers cleaning up inside said Patera picked up a 33-pound boulder and hurled it through the restaurant's front window, shattering a table inside, said Geese. Frightened workers hurriedly called the cops as the two ring-wise maulers calmly walked back to their nearby hotel room. Officer John Dillon and Jacqueline Hibbert said they thought they were handling a routine rock-through-a-window call when they knocked on the door of the wrestler's room. But they were about to meet 600 pounds of real trouble, police said. Lieutenant Geese told what happened next. 
And this is what I was talking about earlier. This quote from Lieutenant Geese, uh, Lieutenant Geese from the Okasho Police Department. This is what he said. The Jap gave Dylan a headbutt in the face and Patera came barreling out of the room like a freight train. Imagine a police officer today referring to a wrestler like a Mr. Saito calling him the Jap, a Jap. (laughs) The Jap gave Dylan a headbutt in the face. It was a different world back there, guys. 1984 was very different than 2022. Uh, He cold-cocked Officer Hibbert with a headbutt. Then Patera picked her up and slammed her against the wall. He put a headlock on her and punched her in the face until she was unconscious. Sergeant Wayne DeSalt was one of the first officers to answer Dylan's frantic call for help. He almost got his right ear tore off by a headbutt. Geese said about 15 officers joined in the war in the hallway, pounding the wrestlers in the knees, head, and stomach with their nightstick. One officer sprayed Saito right in the face with mace, but he just shook his head a couple times and dealt another one of his headbutts, said Geese. When the cops threatened to use their guns, the hawking wrestlers decided to end the match. Geese said officers Dylan and Hibbert were hospitalized. Dylan suffered broken teeth, a swollen eye, and a leg injury. Max Hibbert, or excuse me, Miss Hibbert, suffered painful head and body injuries. Sergeant Assault was treated for a ripped ear, and Deputy Sergeant Ralph Bunker was treated for a shoulder injury. After posting bail, Patera and Saito went to Minnesota, where they reportedly wrestled the next night. Let's go to... All right, I have a follow-up article here. Uh, But before we get to that, 1984, two wrestlers hungry after a spot show go to a McDonald's. The McDonald's is closed, and what do they do, or what does Patera do? Throw a 33-pound boulder through mcdonald's window just think about that next time you're at the gym pick up a 35 pound weight or 30 pound weight pick up a 30 pound kettlebell and don't actually do it but just imagine throwing that through a mcdonald's window with such power that it breaks the window goes crashing through and breaks a table inside that's what kim batera did uh here is a follow-up article June 11th, 1985, so this is about a year later. It's from the Chicago Tribune by Mike Royko. With wrestling growing in popularity, the question is often raised as to how much of it is faked. Now, this June of 85, this is right after the first WrestleMania. WWF was super popular at the time, uh, and everybody wanted a piece of them in the media, whether it was for positivity or you know negative pieces like this. Um, remember the 2020 piece that dealt with wrestling. So wrestling was all over the news back in the uh, 85 was really, I'd say the peak uh, when the media started pushing that you know wrestling had you know come out of the dingy cigar-filled uh, small VFWs and you know are now in huge arenas. When in reality, wrestling had been playing the same arenas in your local area for years. That's just a story that 
you know, Vince McMahon put out there through the media. Anyway, uh, it's generally accepted that the outcome of most matches is decided in advance, and much of the violence and suffering and pain is feigned. But one thing I'm convinced is truly sincere, spontaneous, and genuine. That would be the thuggish behavior and loathsome personalities of the wrestlers who take the roles of villains. Any thought that they were merely acting should be dispelled by a recent trial that was held in the pleasant Wisconsin city of Wakasha. The defendants in the trial were two well-known professional wrestlers, Kenneth Patera and Masanori Saito. These two large creatures perform regularly as tag team partners, and as villainous types, they do all the usual dirty things that bring such delight to wrestling audiences. Last year, they happened to be staying overnight in Wakasha. They had wrestled in a nearby town and returned to their motel. Being huge fellows, they were hungry. So Patera walked over to a McDonald's. It was closed, but an employee was still inside. Patera shouted that he wanted to buy some food. The employee said no, they were closed. So Patera swore and threw a 30-pound rock through the window. This was simple enough for him to do since he used to be a collegiate shot put champion and was an internationally ranked weightlifter. The police were called and went to the motel room to find Patera. Instead, Saito answered the knock. Saito, a native of Japan, speaks little English, but he knew enough to tell the two cops to bug off. Then he threatened, threatened to butt them with his head. When they didn't leave, he shoved one of them. Suddenly, the door flew open and out leaped Patera. I won't describe all the violence, but here are a few highlights. Patera and Saito took turns lifting and throwing one of the cops against the wall. To fully appreciate their nastiness, consider that the cop's name is Jacqueline Hibbert, and she's a pretty young female who had only been on the force a few months. After throwing her against the wall like a rag doll, one of them did a knee drop on the back of her neck. That was all she remembered until she woke up in a hospital. Seven of her teeth had been broken. Her face was a general mess. She was covered with bruises and had blurred vision. But compared with her partner, she was in pretty good shape. The other cop, John Dillon, tried spraying Saito in the face with a can of mace. Saito just sniffed appreciatively and bashed him. Patera flung aside the unconscious Miss Hibbert, who he'd been ramming into a wall, and joined Saito in mauling Dillon. They jumped on him and twisted various limbs, as they do for the pleasure of TV viewers, and Dylan heard a lot of snaps, crackles, and pops. The sounds were coming from one of his legs, which was broken, and from several of his teeth, which were also broken. He finally managed to pull his gun, and he told Patera that if he took one more step, he would shoot. Patera looked at him in a puzzled way and asked, You'd really shoot me? Fortunately for the wrestlers, they weren't in Chicago, New York, or Detroit, where the cops are less tolerant than those in Wakasha. Other officers arrived and Patera calmed down, but they had to club Saito, who was still angry, probably because he was still hungry, before he would stop trying to break their legs. A jury heard the facts last week and listened to a lot of big names from the wrestling world testify about the good character of both men. It is to the jurors' credit that they didn't laugh out loud. 
Then they brought in a guilty verdict, verdict on a variety of felonies. And later this, she, later this week, the wrestlers will be sentenced. Saito could get 15 years in prison. Patera could get 10. Their lawyer even got in trouble. When the jury came in with the verdict, the lawyer and two wrestlers and the two wrestlers weren't in the courtroom. They didn't show up for more than an hour. It turned out that they were out on the courthouse lawn swilling beer, so the judge fined the lawyer $250. Anyway, if you're a fan of Mr. Patera or Mr. Saito, it looks like you'll have to do without their talents for a while. A long while, I hope. And I think Patera... I don't did a year, year and a half maybe, um, because he was in WWF. Uh, I know for sure in '87. Um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know for sure he was in WWF in 1987. Saito, um, I believe he was back in Japan in '87. Uh, let me pull this up real quick because I'm curious. When did he do that match with Anoki? On the island. Anoki Saito Island. Anoki uh, Saito Island match. So this says March. I, I thought it was 1987. Yeah, so the infamous death match between Anoki and Masa Saito took place October 4, 1987. A t- on a tiny, uninhabited Japanese island. So, yeah. Uh, they were both back doing wrestling by 1987. They were sentenced, what was this, June of 85. So, they did about two years. Uh, I know for sure Patera was in WWF in 87. And I was positive that the Patera, excuse me, Saito Inoki Island match was in 87. I just Googled it real quick. So, they did about two years for that. Uh, so now we're going to get into Mr. Saito's obituary, where they they talk about the happening, the incident. If you're a pro wrestling fan from the 1970s and 80s, you likely heard of Masanori Saito, also known as Mr. Saito, Masa Saito, or Mr. Torture. You might also know him for a high-profile crime he committed in Wakasha. Saito died on July 14 at age 76 from complications of Parkinson's disease, which he had battled since 2000. Let's see, when did he pass away? I know it was Mr. Saito death. Yeah, I thought it was two years ago. It was actually uh, four years ago, but with COVID, time is really flying. So he passed July of 2018. Uh, so 40, he was, yeah. So he lived, uh, he lived a long life, 76 years old, passed away from complications of Parkinson's disease. Uh, so he competed in the 1964 Olympics in Tokyo, talks about his wrestling career, but locally he made headlines for another reason. Saito, along with another pro wrestler at the time, Kim Patera, spent time in prison for assaulting police officers in a Wakasha hotel room following an incident at a nearby McDonald's on April 6, 1984. According to reports, Saito and Patera wrestled in an event in Watertown that night and then took a plane owned by legendary wrestler and promoter Vern Gagne in the Wakasha ahead of another show in Stevens Point the next night. 
Looking for a late night meal, Patera walked from the hotel, a Holiday Inn that was where CarMax now is, to McDonald's, 2340 East Moreland Boulevard around midnight. When he's, he was denied service after the close, police say he threw a 30-pound rock through the restaurant's drive through window, according to Milwaukee Journal Archive Stories. He denied it was him, according to court testimony. After Wakasha police officers John Dillon and Jacqueline Hibbert were called to the McDonald's, they checked out the hotel to see if they could find Patera. They were referred to the wrestler's room, and Saito answered the door. Uh, so they get into more of the attack. Here they say, they add a few more here. Hibbert, the female police officer, was 19 at the time. A 19-year-old police. Wow, that's that's strange. Uh, so she was 19. They threw her from wall to wall, kicked her, kneed her in the back of the neck. She had broken teeth, a concussion, and a ruptured uh, appendix. Dylan suffered a concussion. It took 13 officers to pin and ultimately handcuffed the two wrestlers. Uh, the sheriff's department said it took two sets of handcuffs and six officers to restrain and get the handcuffs on Saito. The violent attack sent four officers to the hospital. The 1984 Journal article said with Dylan and Hibbert suffering the worst of it. Police said at the time, according to the Journal article, that Hibbert was held in a headlock, punched, and repeatedly slammed against a wall. According to an online obituary, Hibbert died at age 41 in 2006. So, wow, she, uh, she passed away in 2006. Uh, both men were arrested, and a year later, a jury trial took place in Wakasha. The trial brought many wrestling legends to Wakasha to speak on behalf of Saito and Batera. Uh, after a lengthy trial and deliberation, a jury found them guilty. Saito was found guilty of two counts of battery, one count of obstructing, and one count of resisting, according to a Milwaukee Journal article. A judge sentenced them to two years in prison and six years probation, according to a June 14, 1985 story. So, yeah, they did just about two years. Uh, it talks about them being fined $250 for drinking beers with their lawyer. After being released from prison, Saito continued his wrestling career up until his retirement in 1999. So, yeah, I remember he fought. He went to Japan. Uh, I remembered immediately that Anoki Island death match in 1987. He beat um, he beat Larry Zabisco for the AWA World Heavyweight Title in 1990. Um, he he came to. He was in Starcade 90, where and I remember this was hyped back then. It was at the what was it, the Pat O'Connor Tag Team Tournament they had at Starcade 90. Um, one bracket was the Steiner Brothers, and the other bracket featured Mr. Saito and the Great Muda, and we all just knew what the finals were going to be, and we couldn't wait for that match. And it was a really good match. So that was that was December of 1990, and. Uh, I believe he was on a WCW New Japan Super Show, maybe 91, 92. I can't remember offhand much else here in his name, but I'm sure he was still wrestling over in Japan. Uh, so Patera also resumed his career with the WWF after being released from prison. From prison, 
legendary promoter and wrestling broadcaster, Mean Gene Okerlund, was one of those who came to Wakasha during the trial to speak on behalf of the wrestlers. Uh, here is a quote from Ken Resnick. He was the AWA commentator. He also spent some time with the WWF. I believe he was with WWF 86, 87-ish. Um, he's got a very distinct voice. If you've ever heard him, you, you know him immediately. Uh, so Ken Resnick, on the Kimbatera Saito incident that caused both men to spend time in prison, it was unfortunate all around. Ken went to McDonald's. Ken was starving. And it had just closed. He was fine. He said, let me just buy what you've got already made. Uh, the guy wouldn't give it to him. Ken was mad, walked out, saw a brick, got mad, and threw it through the window. I think the manager knew who he was. Ken just walked back across the highway to the hotel they were staying in and went to his room. The police break into the room. The guy, I really feel sorry for, is Saito. He was already sleeping. All of a sudden, there's people breaking in his room, and he didn't know what was going on, and he starts swinging. Whether it was Patera or Mr. Saito, one of them threw a police officer, ended up it was a female, through the walls of the hotel room. That police officer's father was the fire chief of Wakasha, and that made the prosecutors out for blood. Vern, I don't think, took it seriously in that they just had their normal business lawyer go down and were going to defend them, and the prosecutors on Wakasha were out for blood. They both got sentenced to two years in prison. Kim Batera was pretty bitter about the whole thing, and it took him a long time to really get over it. It was sad on all fronts. Uh, so that's it. The life and crimes of Mr. Saito and Kim Batera. Um, I know WWF, I believe they did one of those Coliseum home videos on, I think it was called the, the story of Kim Batera or the Kim Batera story or something. You can probably find it on the Peacock Network, but they played it up. They used it as part of the angle and they used it as part of bringing him back. And by 1987, by that Survivor Series... He was a baby face on uh, Hulk Hogan's Survivor Series team. I'm pretty sure it was 87. It may have been 80, 88. But he was a baby face on Hulk Hogan's Survivor Series team. Um, and again, Saito continued to wrestle. And, um, you know, wrestling sometimes just forgets these things happen. And, and the machine keeps moving. Wrestling does not stop. Uh, so if you like this episode, wherever you're listening, give it a like. Give it a thumbs up. Subscribe to the feed wherever you're listening to. Uh, if it's on YouTube, Spotify, subscribe, follow, whatever it is. Um, you can check us out at our website, rasselrama.com. You can find previous episodes of The Life and Crimes of. Uh, we also have a feature called The Life and Time of, and that's where we go over obituaries of pro wrestlers. Um, deep dives into the, the wrestlers' careers and uh, behind-the-scenes happenings and stuff like that. So hope you enjoy it. Um, WrestleRama.com, all of our socials are WrestleRama, R-A-S-S-L-E-R-A-M-A. And until next time, guys, take care and see ya. Has all that is here to this great city of Baltimore. Ladies and gentlemen, from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, let's go!